0: But I think another one is is like decisiveness. You know, the military kind of trains you into this mentality that like any decision is better than no decision. Don't get paralyzed. I think that's a big one when it comes to business is the ability to decide and make decisions rather than just getting paralyzed by options. And then I think really just the mentality of continual progression, right? Like consistency. You know, the the just continual movement. You know, everyone always says it's consistency. It's small actions, small steps, consistency, consistency. I mean, it's redundant. It is what it is, but that's exactly what success is. It's just small, repeatable steps that are usually pretty boring. And the military does a really good job of telling you to put your head down and keep doing the same thing. And eventually it'll work out for you.
1: Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, David Prey, Military to Millionaire. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me. Dude, you're recording. This is this is why I love your creativity in real estate. You're recording this episode out of an Airbnb, but it's also your office through some creative house hacking. So I know that so many people are, are always looking for just different cool ideas and uh, you you've pretty much done everything under the sun in real estate. Uh, you got a massive community, massive social presence. Um, so I know we're going to be digging into a lot of stuff today. But where did this 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 journey start for you, brother?
0: Yeah, uh, it started in 2015 with house hacking a uh, duplex. Uh, I, this is this is my third house hack, and the first one was the only one that was kind of like normal. Um, the the first one was you know a typical like FHA live in one side rent the other side yep. uh, the second one was a rental property where I convinced them to let me sublet bedrooms on Airbnb when I lived in San Diego and I was paying three thousand a month and then making twenty eight hundred a month on Airbnb uh, and then this one I the basement is a two one as my office the upstairs is a four two and a half. And it's a 4,800 square foot house, and it brings in about three thousand a month. And my uh, my gross or my my net is about, I think I net like two hundred dollars a month. But it covers all the costs of my office, internet, you know, every everything. So it's pretty sweet.
1: And obviously, you're uh, you're pumping out some great content out of there. You're adding value. You've got you know all kinds of cool stuff that you bring to your uh, your community. So that that sounds like a pretty
0: uh, solid win right there. Oh, and you best believe I'm writing off all the square footage for office space (laughs) and everything else. Yeah. So it works out pretty well. So obviously your kind
1: of brand has been in the military world, right? You know, kind of going into the Marines. And then when was it when you really started to think about investing in real estate and how did you go from like, Hey, I think I want to do this to actually pulling the trigger and executing, which most people don't do.
0: Yeah, I, I joined the Marine Corps in 2008. I, I grew up in, well, we mentioned I was born in NorCal, but I, I grew up in Arkansas for the most part. And when you grow up in Arkansas, especially out in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, uh, and you don't have money and you don't like school, uh, you generally want to leave Arkansas. And so the military is a great way to do that, uh, especially when you don't have money. Um, and and as a young, you know, red-blooded American traveling the world to is is fun, and and the military is a great way to do that. So, uh, but then you blow all your money on guns and tattoos and cars and women and alcohol, and you wake up one day on recruiting duty in Missouri and go, "Holy crap! I'm working twelve hour days, and I have no money, and I have no way out if I don't want to do this anymore." And then someone hands you the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and and that's kind of you know the the typical like. Hey, wait a yeah. minute. I could go this way instead. It's like the red pill blue pill thing, right? yeah, right. Uh, so that was in two thousand and fifteen. Someone handed me that book in I don't know August, September, maybe October, and I closed on the duplex december twenty eighth uh, ironically, I'm going to sell that to a gobro december twenty eighth this year, so seven years to the day, no way. For just about double what I paid for it. so um a friend of ours, Nigel, is buying yep. it, so
1: dude, that's amazing yeah. and. I know we got a lot of, you know, cause we, uh, we happen to be a little, little, well, we're, we're, we're open to all, but, um, you know, we've, we've got a lot of people that are a little bit more conservative that, you know, are, we're definitely pro military pro USA on this podcast. And, you know, a, a lot of military guys reach out, you know, whether it's firefighters, police officers, or military that are kind of like, man, I, I love my job, but I don't want to grind at this forever you know, kind of, you know, the same, same train of uh, thought that you, you mentioned. And there's a lot of skills, obviously, you know, that you learn in the military um, infrastructure that is, you know, really powerful when it's applied in the right way. What were some of the things in terms of skill sets that you knew you could leverage going into this wealth building journey that maybe other guys could lean in, or guys and gals could lean into themselves in their journey?
0: You know, my favorite joke to make out of that question is—is is honestly probably the best answer. And every service member who hears this is going to laugh, and they're going to know how true it is. There is no occupation in the world that prepares you better for entrepreneurship in the mentality of when you first become an entrepreneur, you are working for absolutely free. Yep. Than the military, because in the military. You do this thing where you show up to work and you work stupid hours for no extra pay all the time. And you might work Saturday, and you might work Sunday, and you might get stuck at work all night. You might work a 24-hour shift, you might work a 48-hour shift. And so when you're like, "Oh, I'm working for free for myself. Wow, this is so much better than working for free for someone else." It's it's like so I always joke about that that like, man, when I first started my business, it was like It didn't even cross my mind that I was working all these extra hours for no days because yeah, it's like, well, I was going to be doing it anyway for someone. I might as well do it for myself. Right. Um, But I think another one is is like decisiveness. You know, the military kind of trains you into this mentality that like any decision is better than no decision. Don't, don't get paralyzed. I think that's a big one when it comes to business is the ability to decide and and make decisions rather than just getting paralyzed by options. And and then I think, uh, really, just the the mentality of of you know con- continual progression, right? Like the consistency, you yeah. know, the, the just continual movement. Um, you know, everyone always says it's consistency, it's small small actions, small steps, consistency, consistency. I mean, it's redundant. It is what it is. But um, that's exactly what success is. It's just small repeatable steps that are usually pretty boring. Um, and the military does a really good job of just telling you to put your head down and keep doing the same thing and eventually it'll work out for you. Um, and, and I think most service members just kind of have they're they're kind of self-starters, they're independent, they're able to make decisions, they're able to stay consistent, they're disciplined and those basic traits. I mean, there's plenty of other tangible, intangible leadership, you know, you can you can name a bunch of random stuff, but I think for a lot of us it's just kind of those basic things.
1: Yeah. What were some of the things that, as you you came out, you almost had to like unprogram and kind of rewire that you see holding a lot of people back when it comes to their wealth building journey
0: and one of the one of the things that was really weird for me was uh, like the rank structure. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not I don't know that that necessarily held me up at back in the real estate space, uh, but it was a limiting belief for a long time, right? I had imposter syndrome. and I don't know how much of that was due to the rank structure and how much of that was due to my, my upbringing. And then we could dig into, you know, the whole journey of being homeschooled to uh, trying to have a massive ego to be arrogant, to overcompensate for being the homeschooler, to joining the military and being told you ain't crap to um, you know, there's this whole journey through imposter syndrome that I've been battling forever. But I think part of it also is the rank structure is like, it doesn't matter if you're the smartest guy in the room. If you don't outrank this guy, then nobody cares what your opinion is. Yeah. Um, and so there's always that chip on your shoulder. And it it is kind of weird when you get out of the military and you you have to start realizing, like, oh, wait, I can say that thing and nobody's going to care. Or I don't have to bite my tongue anymore. <laughs> and it is especially in, like, the content world, right? Like, I find myself still on social media going... Oh yeah, I can say that now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um and so it's it's kind of strange I think in that realm there's a lot of uh like in the back of your head just like, "Oh yeah, I can I can get away with that now." It's mm-hmm. not a, you know, the big daddy's not watching anymore or Right. Um I can I can have this beer and not have to worry about going through the gate and somebody being like, mm we're, we're not sure if you, cause uh, you know, going through the gate, uh, some, some bases have policies that are stricter than the 0.08 or whatever. And so you'd be, you know, you're like rolling the dice with stuff that just like really doesn't even matter. You're like, I'm right. under the legal limit, but Oh, I'm going on base. I have to watch it anyway. <laughs> so I don't know. And as you're, um, you know, you, you kind of started on
1: this journey. What, what was your vision? Like why real estate and what was your vision? What did you ultimately want to get out of real estate as you you know kind of started transitioning towards that as your full-time focus?
0: Dude, real estate, just because I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was like, oh, real estate sounds cool. And then when I bought the house back, it was just kind of proof of concept. It was simple. It, was, yeah. it made sense. It was easy to understand. And I'm a, I'm a nincompoop, so easy to understand is important to me. Um, <laughs> as far as the vision goes there really wasn't much of a vision. It was just that I wanted the ability to work less if I wanted to. I mean, the 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 adage of work on what you want, when you want, where you want is is really all it boiled down to. And I think that's pretty much true. I mean, I got out and I'm working just as much as I was, but it's on what I want to, you know? Yeah. Um. And it's funny because I think we all get stuck in that trap where like realistically I could probably be done if I chose to, right? If I fired everybody and shut all my doors I could probably live off the one thing that I've still got as a recurring stream but what's the fun of that
1: yeah I was going to say now like based on it being in the you know in in the world of real estate longer doing so many different things and maybe we could talk about what some of those things are so people can kind of get a little more context to what your 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 real estate wealth building journeys look like like what what has it evolved into now
0: yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're sitting at around 100 doors. Um, I got a 40-unit hotel, a 20-unit, 23-unit uh, apartment, 15-unit apartment, a bunch of 1-4-unit to four unit, uh, properties that have all been bird. Uh, also, uh, GP on 800-something doors with syndications. Very, very minimal, like less than 1% ownership, right? I don't even really consider those <laughs> if you pull it up on the excel spreadsheet it says zero percent that's how small the <laughs> percentage is right um and then uh what else uh 10 per- oh i guess actually it's more than 100 at this point i i have a 10 percent stake in a 27 pad rv park um making a just made an offer on a mobile home park um just kind of I, i'm one of those weirdos who like if i can find a way to hold on to it i'll buy it um it doesn't really i'm not a asset class specific i've bought and sold a couple different apartments i've um uh, i've tried to i tried to flip like there were like 30 mobile homes that somebody needed to move off a lot and i tried to buy all 30 of them for a thousand a piece and then flip 20 of them to open door capital for one of their local mobile home parks and flip 10 of them to my own mobile home park, and uh it just they were all kind of the the parks didn't have, or the homes didn't have the right title, so it didn't pan out, but you know, like i'll I'll do all kinds of weird creative hodgepodge stuff like that uh if the numbers work so uh I'm definitely not your conventional guy. most of my stuff has been seller carries and lease options and and whatever, but yeah it's 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 all buy and hold stuff at this point. um the hotel's got seven employees. And, uh, other than that, they're all long-term, uh, with the exception of the one Airbnb above me, but
1: what's been your, uh, if you were to have to pick one as your favorite just because of why you like it. And then one that is been the best investment from pure number standpoint, what
0: would those asset classes be? Ooh. Okay, so they'd probably be the same answer, but we're going to separate them out just for to give a better podcast, I suppose. Uh, so the, the favorite we'll go with is the RV park. Um, and the reason I'm going to give that one is because it's the type of deal that I want to do more of going forward. Hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily because it's the RV park. It's because the way the deal happened. And the way the deal happened is basically I played Connector. A uh, buddy of mine had this really solid deal, and he's like, "Yo." This deal is awesome. Basically, it was this RV park that was listed as a single family home on the MLS. Oh, and he was like, this doesn't, that, that looks really expensive for a single family in that area. And he started doing some homework. and was like, something's off. So he we went and looked at it. And sure enough, it's a 27 pad RV park, mobile home park, tent site with a shop and a three, two. And, you know, so we make an offer and he's like, I can operate it. I can run everything. I don't have the down payment. You know, I don't have the cash. I need a hundred grand. I'm like, oh, I got a buddy who wants to invest in this area. So like, let me make an introduction. So I piece them together. And then I brought my LLC guy and I brought my lender. And then basically the only other thing I've done is the Google business profile and like the driven reviews and yep. the basic online presence. And I got 10% of it for basically just an introduction and, and building the online presence. Um, Love that. So like, I love those kinds of deals where it's like, Hey, here's some introductions and thanks for a little bit of equity. And I didn't have to do anything that I don't, you know, I, I love that. Um, so I want to do more of that. I want to do a whole lot more of like, let me help put people together. Everybody wins. This guy's an incredible operator with a great deal. And this guy's got capital that he doesn't want to take the time to operate a deal and everybody wins. Sure. I have less of an ownership percentage, but I don't have a capital outlay. I don't have a time in you know outlay, and I enjoy playing with Google, so that's easy for me. I'm sitting at my computer tweaking reviews and up in traffic, and I mean that's that's enjoyable to me. So, so I I think that one's been a lot of fun, uh, just because it's it's th- you know two friends and and everybody's winning. Yeah, uh, as far as the most profitable, it was my second deal. Um, I paid. down. It was 85% bank financing, 10% seller carry on a 10 unit apartment. Had no business buying it. I was sending letters for duplexes, and this guy called and was like, Not selling my duplex, but I have a 10 unit. Uh, And I was actually really nervous about it, but the numbers made sense. Uh, He wanted 240. I got him down to 225. Inspection came back. We got it for, we ended up closing at 212,500. uh, bought it and I sold it four years to the day later for three forty. Um, it cash flowed almost the whole time annually. Definitely not monthly. I mean, I I definitely had months where you know, I mean, I I had a tenant die in it once and that wiped an entire year's worth of cash flow mm-hmm. out for the unit. Um, but uh, that deal, I mean, you know, hundred plus thousand net return and. Four years on a my down my down payment on it was ten thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars, so it was pretty pretty sweet deal uh, numbers wise. It was a ten x return in four years, not including the cash flow, the debt pay down, the uh, tax advantages, or anything else. I mean, just pure. Yep. Yeah. So I love that.
1: I love what you talked about too on kind of being being a connector and using that as a as a skill set. You know, uh, a value add to you know, two different parties, I always say it's, I'd rather own a slice of a watermelon than, you know, 100% of a, a grape or nothing, right? And so like that being, what do, you, what do you say to the people, I know you work with a ton of new investors that are looking to get in the game. Like, what do you say, you know, to those people in terms of how they can really get their start and get involved
0: in a deal, even if they don't have that money? I mean, you don't need the money, right? It's, it's finding the people who have them. There are so it's it's funny. Uh, you know this as well as I do, and anyone else who's listening to this who's been in the game for a while, the money is the easiest part of the equation to solve yep. as long as you have the knowledge and the credibility, right? So the problem is that in order to get the credibility, you've got to do some deals. So mm-hmm. you either have to have a little bit of money to get some deals done, or you've got to maybe have a construction background or property management background or Partner with somebody to knock some deals down or, yeah, partner with somebody who has capital to do some deals together, which is a great way to start. Um, But as long as you can figure out that part of the equation and get a couple deals done and just be talking about what you're doing or convince someone to take a risk on you, a family member or a a loved one or, or risk it on yourself. If you've got a 401k or an IRA or whatever, just get one, two, three deals, proof of concept out the window, whatever. Uh, the raising of the money, once you have a proof of concept is, is that's the easiest part of the equation to solve is, is just, Hey, I've got this opportunity. Here's the terms I'm offering. This is what I'm doing. All you got to do is sit back and I'll pay you.
1: Yeah. Creativity I know is something that really helped me kind of get my start too. I mean, I remember one of my first mentors always told me find a great deal and the money will follow. Um and, and I mean I found I didn't have any experience any credibility I was still living at home I was broke and I found such a great deal the hard money lender that I got for my first was like I don't care like w- w- we could give you ninety percent of you know purchase and a hundred percent of construction and we're still you know in a in a safe position so you're good there right so like you find a good enough deal the money's gonna come to the deal right Um, and then obviously I convinced. Uh, you know, I think after like sixty nos, I found somebody that gave me the remaining, you know, ten percent down on the purchase price, and then some of the holding costs to kind of get through the deal. But that creativity has been something that, whether it's on my, you know, flips or it's been, you know, getting rental properties subject to seller carries. There's so many different creative options out there, but a lot of people go, I don't even know where to start with that. Like, where where did you start with your research on creative deals, and how did you kind of take that first step in? You know, structuring something creative
0: that worked. You know the the first thing was was Brandon's book, right? What is, what is it? Uh, the book on no and low money down, or or yep. whatever his book yep. is. Uh, that was probably one of the first five books I ever read on real estate, and it, it was just the idea of of what Robert says, which is you know, instead of saying I can't, you say how can I. And that idea has stuck with me for so long. And I've always kind of been like a strategy guy where like I would rather play chess or risk or, uh, you know, uh, access and allies than, well, or poker than, you know, I don't know, some non-strategy type game. Uh, So the idea of creativity, it it just kind of, I don't know if it comes naturally, but it's fun to me. Yeah. Um, And we've done some wild, I mean, I've got a property right now that uh, we're about to list that we we did uh we bought it for dollars 000 zero down zero interest and no payments for 12 months so love that you know i mean and i ended up having to to make it work i ended up doing a second position for the for the refi so that was a little more expensive but the numbers still panned out great i could have just paid cash for the refi but whatever um but it was like i got the terms and you know they wanted uh, they wanted to budge a little bit and i was like man i'll I'll do your price, but this is what you got to do. And they said, yes. And it's like, okay. So basically they gave me the house for a year for free. And I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks. I'll remodel your entire house before I pay you for it. Yep. And uh, it was sweet. Um, and that's the one of two now that we've done with basically a interest-free loan for, <laughs> for 12 months. So it's brilliant. Uh, it's, it's It's fun. I think a lot of people
1: don't understand the, your price, my terms, or you know, my price, your terms. Yep. Talk talk a little bit about that strategy for you know somebody that may not understand it. How powerful it really can be. Yeah, I mean,
0: it, the problem, the thing with creative financing is a lot of people are scared to ask. But I mean, realistically, it's just it's just figuring out what what the person needs, right? So it's just having an open conversation. And a lot of times, what that person needs isn't cash, you know, in yeah. in or, or or maybe it is. Maybe they're really stuck on a number. Maybe it is just an maybe it's an ego thing or maybe it's a a debt thing or 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 whatever that is maybe they've they want to build a shop and they know that shop's going to cost them $40,000 so they need to sell for $40,000 well you can only give them 35 and they're like well i need 40 okay well i can give you 40 but i can give it to you in 12 months i can't give it to you now all right well i'll wait 12 months for my shop but i need $40,000 okay well then we can do it this way and people will jump at that. So it's just, it's that negotiation, you know, it's, it's figuring out what they need. So the, yeah, the, the, my price, your terms, your price, my terms is just kind of the, the figuring out exactly that it's, you know, Hey, this is, this is the best I can do and I'm willing to play with the terms to make it work for you. But if we're going to give you the amount of money that you want, then you're going to have to give me the, the interest or the, Amortization or the the balloon or the the whatever that I want to make it work for me and that's the other thing that I love with creative financing is how much you can play with you yeah. know the the interest and in amortization I mean for example that uh, that ten unit uh, the other thing that I never really touch on because when you really start digging into numbers it kind of it it blows a lot of people's minds or yeah or it gets confusing but so that was a five year note on the ten uh, percent seller carry. Uh, I refinanced in 18 months and paid that off and there was no prepayment. And so it was a 10, it was a 10% interest rate. I think on that seller carry, uh, might've been five, I don't know, but I think it was 10. And, uh, anyway, because I repaid it in 18 months, it was effectively like a one or 2% return because of the way that amortization works and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I basically paid off the note, uh, you know, what, four, three and a half years early. And so I didn't pay interest on the three and a half years that he would have had the note. Um, and so, you know, it's like, well, cool. Thanks for, yeah. you know, it would have been 10%, but I basically paid two and a half or 3% of that to you. So Yeah,
1: whatever. I think understanding those, those toggles are so critical on how you can use that and kind of like you said, in a game of strategy. I always think of, I was just finished reading, um, uh, David, Bet Patrick's, uh, book, your next five moves. And he kind of, you know, talks about the the grand chess master, always thinking 20 steps ahead. And most people don't even think one step ahead, let alone five or, you know, like a grand chess master 20. And so like, you know, approaching every real estate investment and opportunity with that kind of mindset, it almost kind of becomes like this game. Right. And, um, Jesse Itzler, uh, at one of the GoBundance events recently, he just said, um, you know, life is uh, life, in business is kind of like, um, and I would equate it to, you know, real estate investing. It's, it's kind of like a Rubik's Cube. It's really complicated. It, but at the same time, it's actually really simple. And once you kind of crack the code and understand how to solve it, you can do it in five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, every time going forward. And so it's really one of those things as you build going forward, you get a little bit better in terms of solving that Rubik's Cube with every deal maybe looking a little bit differently. But I love how you kind of talked about some of those toggles because you can almost make any deal
0: work at any price with the right terms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know people. uh, I haven't actually gotten to pull this one off yet, but uh, I have at least offered a couple of different times to, you know, like, well, I'll pay over asking on this kind of crazy term i think diego just did uh what's the one he he was just talking about he landed one off the mls on like a seller carry with a 40-year amortization yeah uh it was like five percent down 40-year amortization but he paid i think like five or 10 percent over asking or something and i'm like but the numbers work because it's a 40-year am and i'm like oh my goodness that's awesome i'm gonna try to do that this year because that's super cool And
1: I I think that kind of leads me into my next question for you is, you know, in light of everything that's been going on the last few years and kind of where a lot of, you know, people think we're headed in this next year, one, what are you doing to kind of protect your wealth and what opportunities are you, you know, looking forward to capitalizing on and what's your outlook in
0: 2023? Yeah, I, I kind of, over the last few months, I basically sold off. Uh, all the stuff that I hadn't renovated in the last two years. Um, basically, what I, what I realized was that uh, as you're, well, I did what most people who don't have money do, right? So if you're, when you're starting in real estate, there's all kinds of different ways that people start in real estate. There's people who have money and they don't have time. There's people who have time and they don't have money. And there's mm-hmm. Enlisted guy with no money, negative net worth, no time, not even living in the state. Heck, I lived in Hawaii, investing in Missouri, right? So I had no money. It was all super high leverage, C-class, D-class, you know, crack house, whatever. Um, And so I I played the the not-the-best-neighborhood, high-leverage game, because that's the easiest way to build wealth quick. Uh, And then you do what everyone else does, which is you get there, and then you're like, Oh crap, this is stressful. It worked, but how do I get out of this quickly? Um, yeah, this is yep. too much headache. My property manager can only handle so much. Please let me move this to either LP positions or, um, and so I, I, I had started to, uh, I did like the first four months this year, I did like 16 deals and I did most of them were burrs, um, and so, or a, a lot of them were burrs, some wholesale, some flips, whatever. Uh, and I basically took the properties that were, the older properties that I hadn't been updating as I was growing, and I sold them off to fund the new renovations. And so basically basically, anyway, long story short, uh, everything in my portfolio that's under five doors that hasn't been updated in the last 24 months is gone, uh, or will be gone in two weeks. Uh, the last one's leaving uh, on the 28th. And then everything else is either above five units or has been renovated in the last 24 months. So in theory, I'll be able to ride the storm with minimal repairs and, and, and whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that theory holds out. Um, and then, you know, I've got a, a somewhat decent cash position about, I don't know, 15%, 20%. Nice. Um, and then the, the fingers crossed that that all holds true. And I mean, I think I'm not super, super worried because in Missouri in 08, you know, I mean, it, not didn't, too high,
1: not too low. You guys, kind
0: yeah, of... you know, I mean the the interest rates don't mess with the price range here too much. I mean the a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage is, is not affected nearly as much by a three yeah. to seven percent jump as a two million dollar mortgage is. So yeah. it's uh, much more stable, much more rental, much more blue collar market. So I'm not as worried, uh, but I'm also focusing a lot more on the the brand and the scalability and the things that, uh, you know, on, on the generating revenue on that side to pump into the real estate side so that I've got a better cash position. So figure between boosting the cash position and stabilizing the junkie rentals, we should be all right.
1: Yeah. I know a lot of, a lot of people in our world are, you know, cashing up a little bit, getting rid of some of the dogs, or maybe you got some, you know, some equity locked up in there that really isn't generating a, a good return on that equity. You know, getting ready to hopefully uh, find some good opportunities in the the next twelve to twenty four months. Now, I know for you, social media, you know, deal finding, networking has kind of been your bread and butter for finding these opportunities. Like you said earlier, you know, connecting people, bringing value by you know connecting dots. What what has been your kind of strategy around that, or how have you approached? you know, kind of elevating your social presence and, you know, expanding
0: your network? Yeah, it it was kind of all just kind of happened. Um, Just organic for you? Man, you know, Brandon Turner was the one who originally was like, you should start a blog. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. What should I blog about? He's like, I don't know. Not a whole lot of people talking about military stuff. I was like, oh, cool. I'll just document what I'm learning. And then uh, I didn't even come up with the name of my site a buddy of mine who's not even in the military was like, all your names, I came up with a bunch of names and posted them on Facebook. He was like, these are all garbage. And then he did some <laughs> research. He's like, this one's cool. And I was like, oh, that is cool. Uh, so shout out to Joel, if you ever listens to this. Uh, and uh, I, so I just started documenting what I was learning. And then one day I realized, hey, wait a minute, people are actually really liking this. And people are asking questions. And And somewhere along that journey, it kind of morphed from like, this is what Dave's learning too. These are the questions people are asking. I should answer these to. Holy crap. Now I actually do know what I'm talking about and people <laughs> are referencing me. And now this thing is just taken off on its own. And, um, and then it was just like, I've always been a good communicator, a good networker, a good connector, good at putting people together. And, and I've always found it very rewarding. If I know this person's looking for someone, and that person's looking or has that skill set to introduce them, and then they both win. I've always found that to be a really rewarding use of my time. And so I just kind of started doing more and more of that. and I don't know, it's just paid dividends, I guess. so it's it's been fun. and then somehow, you know it's it's funny because I had never thought uh, like the the RV park was like as a joke, my buddy's like, oh yeah. Uh, I've got this deal. It's like, oh, I'll I'll find you a buyer, but I want some, I want like five percent. And uh, and then I obviously I text my buddy. Well, the buddy I texted sends him a message and goes, So 45, 45, 10 question mark. And then he says yes. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I was messing around, guys. I don't need any equity. And they're like, No, no, you're good. I'm like, all right, well, sweet. Hey, this is a thing. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm like, oh man, I should. So I haven't quite figured out exactly how to replicate that as a process yet, but I will tell you that I have two friends right now um, who have both told me that they'll give me 5% for any deal I find in the area that meets their criteria, Uh, and they're very specific deals that I actually have leads on uh, that I'm trying to hunt down uh, owners for. And so I'm kind of in the game right now of like, hmm, I'm pretty good at finding stuff and pretty good at talking to owners. And yep. I've got some pretty wealthy friends who are like, yeah, I'll give you five or 10% equity if you can bring me an owner and, and they want to buy in my area. So I'm I'm going to try to try to play that game this year and see if I can just land some deals that way where it's like, Oh, this guy's got $10 million. Let me connect him to a guy with 300, 300 mobile home parks or whatever. Yep. I love that.
1: So what does your kind of strategy and approach to finding those sellers
0: and those opportunities look like? I am a, I'm a big direct mail guy a lot of yeah. times, but with uh, something like a mobile home park, you know, especially like bigger ones, it, a lot of times I'll just pick up the phone, um, especially around here. It's or maybe even just drive by and talk to the office. I mean, there's a lot of these local mom and pops are still sit in their office and hang out Literally. or they have a office manager who will just give you the cell phone number. Um, you know, I also have an assistant who works in my office. So a lot of it is, hey, Rachel, I need you to pull this info from PropStream and call these 50 people and, and whichever one you get on the phone, let me talk to them. Um, and so I'll, I'll play that game. Um, I've got seven. I need to call back this week, so we'll see, or, or, or need to follow up with, I guess, not call back, but, um, make it sound like they called in and I'm just ignoring them. But...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, I was going to say, uh, a lot of people, are going, hey, I'm willing to pick up a phone or, you know, I'm willing to, you know, drive by. I'm willing to talk to a seller, but I don't really know how to how to track these people down. I don't know where to find these types of opportunities or leads. What are some of the, you know, ways that you go about kind of gathering that data?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. Um, I mean, it really depends, right? It depends on what you're looking for. PropStream is an easy way for most stuff. I love PropStream. Yep. But if you're looking for like a mobile home park, Depending on your market, I mean, you can literally just Google mobile home park near me and boop, there's like 20 that pop up and you just call them all. Um, it's really not hard to find something like a mobile home park or an apartment complex. If they're doing their job right, they make it really easy for them to be found because yep. they're trying to get you to find them. Um, what it gets hard to find is when you're trying to do the, I want to find a person who lives out of state known as a single family house, but they're also behind on their taxes and their tenant is just moved out but that's actually really easy to find if you know how to use PropStream and, and you, you've played that game. You know, yep. that, you know how to do that. It's like toggle three buttons and now you've got 500 of them to hit up. Um, so it's, it's, it's technology is great, but uh, it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, so yeah, so one of these guys is looking for big mobile homes and the other is looking for apartments and, and uh, I've got some hotel buyers in the area as well and I'm kind of going to play the game with all of them and see see what we can land this year. I love it dude. We'll keep me on that hotel buyer list. I uh, oh, I'm yeah. almost
1: looking in, in that area. I'm trying to gather my fourth this year. Um, so we'll we'll definitely have to connect on that one offline, but yeah. I know uh you know for you you're uh, you're a pretty humble dude, you know, and you're you're uh, you're not somebody that is, you know, looking to be driving around Lambos and, you know, flexing the the Gucci belt, you know. So what uh what is it that keeps you driving down this path? Financial freedom and what does real wealth mean to you, David?
0: Well, for the record, I I will one hundred percent have a have an exotic car one day.
1: One day, okay, Um, cool.
0: I I am a car guy. In fact, anyone who's gone far enough down the story will know that when I bought my duplex, I had a red convertible S two thousand that I had completely decked out, which is why I had a negative net worth. (laughs) Um, and I sold it at one point to buy a duplex. And then I Smart sold choice. the duplex to buy a hotel. And then every time I've rolled that capital, I've gone, oh, I could buy a, another property. And I keep telling myself. So it's like I I get the itch so for one, a car. So one day it'll it's, be for a car. It, someday I'm going to convince myself it's time to buy the car. And every time I go to buy the... In fact, the other day, like two months ago, I was straddling a Ducati on the phone with my wife. Like, I think I'm finally going to buy something fun and... And then I got off the Ducati and got back in my station wagon. <laughs> and my wife's like, are you going to, I'm like, I don't know. I, every time I think about buying a toy again, I realize I could buy another house. So yeah. um, it's, it's, I, I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet on a car. So, so I say all that just to say someday there will be a car and For sure. I've always Absolutely. been a car guy. So um, what does real wealth look like? I want to be able to travel and just, you know, work remote, work on what I want, when I want, where I want. With who I want, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have to feel like I have to do anything for anyone. I just want to be able to, you know what, you know what, you know what I think it is. I'll tell you what it is. Robert Kiyosaki was on my podcast, and and I don't know if I've said this on on, live. So Bigger Pockets uh, had him on their show, and their former producer, who won't be named, told me he was probably well the the rumor mill says that he was the most edited podcast they they had at the at the time. Mm. Uh, and when he was on my show, we don't edit anyone. Yeah, not a word. I mean, he's talking about trannies and all kinds of stuff. It was great. <laughs> um, but he, on multiple occasions, was like, I have a few money. I can just jump in my jet and wow. And I think that's exactly what it is. Is like, that man can say and do anything he wants without any fear from anyone? And people think he's off his rocker and this, that, and the other. And it's like, that's what it looks like to me. You mm. can, I can say, do, be whatever I want. No okay. hooks
1: in you. No yeah. worries
0: about any blowback, you know? any repercussions. Someone asked me the other day if I'd ever consider running for office. And my answer was just, nope. Because you know what? When I was 20, someone's going to surface with a photo of me with wieners drawn on my face from the <laughs> Marine Corps. And I don't need that in my life. Nobody, nobody's got anything on me right now. I'm, I'm a happy man, you know? Yep. It's, it's good. Life's good.
1: I love it, man. Well, I know a lot of people can definitely resonate with that uh, definition of wealth. And I know a lot of people are going to want to know more about how they can engage with you, your content, your YouTube channel, your courses, your mastermind, all the cool stuff that you got. Where
0: is the best place for them to learn more? Uh, the easiest way is just Google military millionaire. But uh, yeah, the Facebook community is probably the easiest. The military millionaire Facebook group is the the biggest uh, hub for everything. And uh, we're there. And if you want to reach out to me directly, Instagram is the best spot for I still personally respond to all my DMs there. So
1: Cool. Well, I see you at the Go Abundance event in uh, Tahoe? Uh, Lake Tahoe. I was about to ask you. Yes, I will be there. Awesome, brother. Well, I will look forward to having a beer in person. And uh, we'll be sure to link up all of the resources and websites and socials at millionermindcast.com on David's episode. Brother, it was a pleasure having you on, man. Thanks so much. You as well, brother. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to RichLifeAcademy.com to check out all the amazing products. And resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one on one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great, valuable tools. You can get that over at the richlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844. 844- 447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friend.